I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello. Welcome to Once Upon a Gene. I'm your host, Effie Parks. We are right in the middle of the holiday season, 2022, and I hope everyone is hanging on, and I hope you're finding the bright spots, and I hope you're getting the support that you need for the other ones. Once Upon a Gene is here. I hope it is some level of support and companionship for you. Please reach out if you need anything or if I can help or just be an ear. I'm thinking about all of our families this holiday season. So recently, the Fox G1 Foundation held their in-person scientific and family conference. And like everything Fox G1 does, it was incredible. I tuned in virtually and I'm so glad I did. I learned a lot, so I highly recommend going and checking it out. If you don't know the Fox G1 Foundation, you should. And if you do, it's probably because they've helped you in some way move your own patient advocacy forward in some way. You also probably recognize one of the names of the co-founders, Nasha Fitter. You've heard her on the podcast a couple times. Back on episode 94, she shared it with Mike Gralia of Syngap Research Fund, and they lay out the entire path to starting your rare disease patient advocacy organization. So go check that out. And also she guested on episode 47, where she talks about Citizen and taking control of your own medical records. Update on Citizen. It's now open to every neurodevelopmental disease, so go check it out. They're a true luminary, and they're a force in our network for sure. Their foundation is doing amazing things for these kids which in turn helps all of our kids. I'm talking with the co-founder today, who's mama to beautiful little Josie. She's telling us some of the nuggets that she kept with her from the conference. And she's also sharing a couple hot tips on seizures. So you're, wanna, you're gonna wanna stay tuned and listen to that. There is also an end of the year fundraising campaign that they're holding. So go check it out, donate if you can. And also it might give you some ideas for ways to run some fundraising campaigns of your own. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy my conversation with beautiful rare mama, Nicole Johnson. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Effie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to actually talk to you in person. It's funny, I was thinking earlier that I just feel like I know everyone already and that we talk all the time. But yeah, this is our first like in-person conversation that isn't text. So I'm so happy. I can't <laughs> believe it. I, I was, wait, have I really never heard your voice? <laughs> through the line to me because I hear your voice on your wonderful podcast and we talk all the time on social media. So this is so lovely for it to be actual real-time conversation. 
I know. I'm thrilled. And I know that we all have so much to learn from you. You're one of the leaders at the Fox G1 organization, and you're also a parent to the beautiful little Josie. And you're one of the most empowered patient population, caregiver population, and just really successful patient advocacy groups around. And you're thoughtful and you share your information to help other patient advocacy groups get better, which is something that I really respect. And we're all so lucky to have you as leaders ourselves in the patient advocacy group world. So I really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I actually was just speaking to someone yesterday who I said, I feel that it's my duty to give back to new organizations, to other organizations, to help each other, because we are so blessed to have such incredible mentors who have been at this longer than us. Allison Berend from FAST, um, Monica from RET. I mean, we, we learn from some of the greatest, so we want to help everybody move the needle faster because you know we don't have time a lot of us, you know, we want to see all this work we're doing come to fruition in our children's lifetime, even though we know we're building the foundation for something that will last much longer. You know, time is not really on our side. So if, you know, rare is one, as CZI says, so then whatever we can do to help others, we will always do. Well, you definitely walk the walk. So I really appreciate that. Can you tell us a little bit about Josie and perhaps meeting Nasha and you two devising this wonderful plan to start the Fox G1 Foundation? Sure. Yeah. So Josie will be, she's 11 on November 23rd. Can't believe it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She's 11. She's 11. She's such a big girl. She is, you know, in my humble mom opinion, the the cutest little girl on earth. Um, She's just so amazing because there's, you know, she has Fox G1 syndrome. She is on the severe spectrum of Fox G1 syndrome. Um, She really can't do much. She can't even sit up without falling over or anything above that. And she suffers. She suffers with epilepsy. It's heartbreaking. She can't talk. She is always drooling. I'm always sticking that suction in her mouth. We're in and out of the hospital. She can't tell me what hurts. But yet, Josie is the happiest little girl. She laughs. She's just so joyful. So um, I just feel so blessed to have this being in my world. (laughs) Um, And that is Josie. Um, And she's always been this way. So, you know, so my my mission is to give her and every child with Fox one syndrome what they deserve, not to change their joyful demeanor. We are so lucky to have that, but just give them a healthy life that they deserve. Yeah, I think I think all of the parents listening now can totally relate to that. You know, just like the joy that they have unconditionally is something that you are in awe of like every single day. It's amazing. It's It's truly amazing. I mean, if we had any of these problems that our kids have, we would not be joyful. (laughs) You know, if we had one of these problems, we would be bitching about it all day long. Yeah. So it's just so amazing. It's just so pure. And it's just incredible. So we, you know, we're so lucky to have her and, that's why it's just we just want to give her what she deserves. Um, but to your question, how did I meet Nasha? 
So at the beginning of my journey, so Josie's 11, and at the beginning of this journey, we were on a diag diagnostic journey because we didn't really have the tools that are available today. Um, so it took us two years to find out what Josie has. And in that time, I was blogging. I've got this blog, josiedevin.blogspot.com, which I still turn to sometimes. But I was casting this wide net. I, I remember saying, I'm in search of Dr. House. I don't know if anybody remembers that TV show. Trying to figure out why could nobody tell me what is wrong with my daughter. We're doing every test and it's still all coming back. We don't know. So it took us two years to find out that she has Fakshi-1 syndrome once we found out about whole exome sequencing, which was new at the time. So I was blogging and in my blog, I was, you know, I guess my positivity was shining through. And what a few years later, Nasha's daughter was diagnosed, was born and then diagnosed with Fox-G1 syndrome. And she read my blog and she called me out of the blue and said, I don't know how you're so positive. I found your blog. My daughter was just diagnosed and I just, I just, I, I, she really noticed my positivity and we talked for hours and she talked about, you know, the research strategy she had been thinking about. And we just kind of devised a plan and said, there's a way to do this. And, you know, let's take this unfortunate diagnosis and let's turn it around together. And we teamed up with Foxy One parents in Europe and all over the world and formed the Foxy One Research Foundation in 2017. Wow, that is so beautiful. I love that you had this lifeline that you cast out for anyone to find you, whether it be a doctor or a new parent. And what you both band together to do with it and that you gathered all of your patients from everywhere, right? Like, I love that you devised this plan in 2017 and to see where you're at at this point with everything that you've done is really, really mind blowing. And I'm not sure you sleep. <laughs> I'm not sure I sleep either. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And it's funny because at the time I was just blogging for really... For me, you know, it was cathartic and I didn't know if anyone was reading it. I was just writing it because I, I didn't know what to do with what was happening. You know, when Josie was four months, we first noticed something was wrong. Then at six months, she wasn't sitting up or rolling over. At a year, she wasn't doing that. At a year and a half, I'm like, okay, my daughter isn't developing. And it's for a new parent, what, what panic, you know? And I can't say that the panic has ever really gone away because, hey, you know, us, us moms with children who have epilepsy, you know, as positive as we can be, we do live in crisis mode at all times. And that's just our life. Putting things out there, you never know what you'll get in return. So I always advise just go for it. Chronic crisis and vigilance mode. That's what I like to call it. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you two are amazing. I recently had the pleasure of logging in probably 1,000 times to your recent family conference that you had in Florida a few weeks ago. And it was so rich. The content was so rich. The delivery of so many of the presentations was so empathetic. And they were so digestible, I think, to families who had traveled all this way, who perhaps aren't necessarily completely versed in all of the science, who are working their way towards becoming the experts that they will be 
I just thought that it was artfully done and it was approachable for every type of person in the room, which I appreciated. It didn't seem like anything was over anyone's head, but also elevated enough for people to want to strive to figure it out. Thank you. Yeah. Can you tell us kind of your top takeaways from the conference and some highlights that have stuck with you that are kind of still noodling around in your head? Oh, yeah. I'm st- I haven't come down from it yet. It was such an incredible experience, such an incredible milestone for us in these five years since we launched the Fox G1 Research Foundation. And for me personally, you know, I took it on like a production. So I was a TV producer in my in my first life career. For many years I, I was a TV producer. So I think I really approached it like a like a TV show, <laughs> like a production and how to, like you said, make it digestible and really thought about my audience. So we actually hosted two conferences in one. So first we had a science symposium. This was on a Thursday. And we had scientists from all over the world fly to Florida in a private meeting, which started at 8 a.m. and went past the 6 p.m. end time, and to present their data. So the, this was actually the third time we've done a science symposium, and we, are, we could not believe how much science we have underway. I mean, even though we know, because we're working with it every day, seeing it, seeing the scientists all come together in one room and presenting their data and realizing we needed two days for this, it was really mind blowing. And just to see how far we came on the science, we've come on the science front was just so incredible. And the data that was uncovered was incredible. We're really learned some promising data on the road to therapeutics for Fox G1 syndrome really promising data. And and then after the science symposium, we, we did an off-site dinner, which was at a restaurant up the road. And then we all walked along the beach back to the hotel together. And it was so clear that for the scientists, many of who have been with us since the beginning, that this isn't a job for them. They are invested in helping our children, helping all children with Fox G1 live a life without suffering. I wrote Fox G1 in the sand and then watched the waves wash it away. And I said, that's it. You know, we are all here to wash away Fox G1 syndrome. And it was, you know, because we decided to do this conference in Florida that all these things just came together. And, and, and that's what it is. We are washing away this horrible disease that our children suffer with. And these scientists all together, it's a family now. So that's just the science symposium. <laughs> Thank God I'm crying. Fox G1 in the waves watching you away. Yeah, I I said, Nasha, Nasha, I need you. I, I called her from the hotel. I'm trying to do something by myself, but I can't film it and write it at the same time. Oh so she said, okay, I'm coming. And she held her phone. I quickly, because the waves the, were coming in within like 10 seconds. So I had to write Fox G1. <laughs> I remember she said, write syndrome. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I don't wash it away too fast. So we have this video, we played it during the conference and that's it. We are here to wash away Fox G1 syndrome and every scientist from Australia, Japan, Italy, the UK, we're all together as part of this mission, part of this great ocean. And so it, it really, I, I, I must've cried a million times and I still can because just knowing that your team is so passionate and dedicated and their heart is in it, 
is just really, truly amazing. And so that's the way we did it as a private science symposium so that we could really share this unpublished data. You know, there's a lot of trust there. And this is the third time. And it's in those one-on-one -on -one meetings after that, you know, the real magic happens. And then on Friday, all the parents started coming. So this was a parents' conference. It wasn't really billed as a family conference because I said, let us do our first parents' conference first because I couldn't sleep at night thinking about a full family conference with everyone's fuck she one child there because I don't even know how to travel with Josie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but some families did bring their fox she one children, which was really, really wonderful. They had someone to take care of them while they were in the conference. So that was important. But it was, it was a really beautiful thing, especially to watch Foxy One siblings meet each other. So I do look forward to our fully well-produced and planned family conference in the future. Um, now that we dipped our feet in the, in the water, <laughs> no pun intended, um, <laughs> or pun intended. <laughs> the parents started arriving and then it was Saturday that we had a full day parents conference. And again, from 8.30 a.m., and we blew past the 6 p.m. close, and we will need two days next time. And this was a blend of clinicians who are Foxy One clinicians. The scientists stayed, and then Foxy One parents all um, coming together to learn from each other. So the, the theme of our conference was Connect, Learn, Inspire, and it, it really happened. <laughs> and in every degree of all three words. And having the, well, we had the three neurologists that see the most Foxy One patients in the world all together. And they did a neurology session. We had a GI specialist, a pulmonology specialist. Actually, when you said the word digestible, I smiled because um, the GI's presentation was digestible tips on GI issues with Fox G1 syndrome. So it was just, there was so much learning. There was, you know, so many things that I didn't even know going into, even though I spoke with every speaker before. So we just learned so much. And then our director of science gave a full recap of the science symposium. So, um, you know, everything that we learned on Thursday, we presented to everybody on Saturday. So it was just full. And we ended the day with a whole lot of inspiration from, we had a Fox G1 mom there named Pam Skillman, whose son is 29. And she's also a therapist, a licensed family therapist. And her presentation, I still have chills because first of all, she has so much to teach so many of us that have younger children. And then being a therapist, she really knows how to teach us how to take care of ourselves. She was just so beautiful. And then we closed the day with everyone's favorite rare mama, Mickey McIntosh. Yep. <laughs> right? And, Mickey. Uh, oh my gosh, she gave such an inspirational talk, you know, really understanding the, the challenges and joys of being a rare parent. So it was a whole lot of information and then a whole lot of inspiration. And I'm still obviously still, still floating on everything that happened. Well, I think everyone probably is. I mean, there's nothing like being together. And, you know, you talked earlier about the scientists, right? And how how touched and moved they are to be like seeing what their work is actually doing, right? Like I can imagine how fulfilling it would be to 
maybe go from just working in a lab and doing these things because you're doing these things, but to know that they're actually going to these people with these faces and these beautiful children and what you're doing every day and how much it matters from morning until night to all of these people's lives. That's got to be such a motivational and fulfilling aspect to their work. Oh, yeah. And and one thing that was said, and it just really stuck with me is the science is there. And so that was something, you know, that we learned with conviction, the science is there. I mean, we are working with the same gene therapy team that worked on Zolgesma, you know, the gene therapy, FDA approved gene therapy that is working for children with SMA. So, you know, we know the science is there. We know there are so many gene therapies in clinical trials right now. We are working on something that we truly believe can work for our children. And even, you know, we opened our keynote speaker was Allison Brent from Angelman from, from FAST. And she showed us a video where she's saying, you know, to think that all this hard work has led to a, a drug that is going into the brain of children with Angelman because they are in clinical trials right now, you know, and she was crying when she said it, you know, it just, it was so inspirational for all of us to hear, this is not science fiction, this is happening. And we are part of this journey together. And it's, you know, and the journey includes all all parties, you know, so the parents, the patients, the scientists, the clinicians, the donors, well, I should start with the donors, the parents, the (laughs) patients, because we can't do anything without the donors. But it's just, it's really, it, it takes a village and we have the village. So it's, yeah, truly amazing. Yeah, I love that distinction of like, this is real. This is happening. This isn't just hope for tomorrow. It's actually working. Right. I mean, look at children with SMA. So then Nikki closing the day, you know, she said something to me that is so meaningful. She said, you know, it's because of people like you, the Fox One Research Foundation, who, who started from nothing, you know, and said, you know, we have to have a strategy. We have to move towards this. It's people like us who did this for SMA, you know, how many years ago, that her child is a recipient of this gene therapy, of this, of this drug that is, has saved his life. you know, so has changed his life. So that made me realize, you know, there were so many moments I said, if it's, if it's only for this, then it was worth it. You know, if, you know, so I have so many of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope that you know that I really hope that you know that because it is that right. It's everyone coming after you. Right. That's being impacted. It's not just Fox G1 kids either. Right. I mean, look at Allison presenting to you and like the work that she's done that translates to like how everyone else can kind of follow along in different ways, right? Like it's just sharing this knowledge and everyone getting better and moving forward together. Exactly. It's such a domino effect of, you know, so every minute of work put in, every dollar spent, every dollar donated has this massive domino effect of the lives that it will help and touch and save. Let's talk about those dollars and those donors. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, everyone's hustling every single day. I know that Fox G1 has a really special fundraiser that's going on until the end of the year. Tell us about it. Right. We have the Race to 100,000 campaign going right now. Um, And parents all started their own race teams on our website at foxg1research.org. 
you could see the um, race to 100,000 teams. And so we're giving prizes to the teams that raise the, the most money towards the finish line. So I'm really hoping this is a race to a million. But, um, <laughs> Me too. I've crossed yes. my fingers. <laughs> but so start with, you know, hopefully realistic goals and that we reach 100,000 by the end of 2022 or blow way past it. So each each parent, each family is out there, you know, promoting their own race and helping us move forward. Yeah. I mean, fundraising is the hardest part, I would say. You know, the science is there. We have to fund it. And, you know, it costs money. So the more the more fundraising ideas we could come up with, the more events that parents do, the better, the more, you know, so we're always we're growing our development team and we always have to be, you know, thinking, how could we raise money? We have to think outside the box, creative ways. So right now we're doing the race to 100,000. So Feel free to check out, if anyone listening, check out any of the adorable teams on our website. Team Josie is mine. What advice do you have for the patient advocacy group leaders in motivating their caregivers and their patient population into not only understanding their disease and getting involved in one way or another as an advocate, but also coming on board for the fundraising aspect of it when they're dealing with so much. Yeah, that's very, very challenging. And it was hard. I would say one of the biggest challenges we had is communicating through the screen, right? So you only know people so well when you're talking on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, whatnot. But at the end of the day, parents are at home living their real lives. So how could I communicate, you know, hey, don't you want to join us, you know, that we're real, that we're really doing this for you. And then at the same time saying, hey, have you filled out the patient registry yet? Hey, have you joined the natural history study yet? Have you filled out your surveys yet? Why don't you start a fundraising team? We really Did you do the biobank, <laughs> you know, the stem cell biobank yet? So it's like we have so much to say to parents and so much we want to say to parents to communicate that all this work is being done to help improve your children's lives. But it's it's a challenge because people see things quickly and then they go, you know, on with their lives. So what I've always said is it will come and let your work speak for you. So that's and that was really something that came to me at the end of this conference, because it's I will say for anyone starting a patient organization or in or running a patient organization, you will know how hard it is to reach your whole community. Um, and to convince your community, like, hey, we're here for you. Please help us. Because if, if we do this together, we will just get there faster. So it, that has definitely been a challenge and a surprising challenge, too. It's surprising to see how hard it is to convince parents to fill out the registry. Register your child as a FOXU1 patient because, you know, they get a million emails a day. So I understand it, but the challenge is real. So I always say, let your work speak for you. So the more we do, the more parents will see that we're doing. You know, we just announced the first clinical trial ever for FOXG1 syndrome for an epilepsy medication that will be hosted at NYU. So it's things like this that then parents reach out and say, there's a trial, you know, I would like to learn more. And then you have conversations and then you, they really realize how much is happening. So, you know, it does take a lot to get that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the parent. 
the conference was the biggest, I would say, if we only did it for that reason alone, is to have this time to actually sit down for a long time with with parents, sit outside and talk about everything we've been doing. You know, it's so important. So let your work speak for you. Don't say what you're going to do. Say, you know, show what you're doing and it will come because parents do realize and parents do join. After this conference, I have 10 more parents joining our volunteer team. We have three new international chapters starting. And it was only because we were together to talk about it that they said, yes, I'm in, I'm on board. So that was a long answer. (laughs) No, it's so good. I think it's so profound, right? Like there's only so much connection that you can get through the screen and through all the Facebook posts that you're doing to try to get people to do things when they're busy and you're busy and to actually have that that in in person connection and to feel motivated by the energy in the room and to see it all unfolding in front of you i mean 13 15 new people joining your team that's in, that's incredible yeah and so happy to like just so happy to and then the other thing is it's it's like they are they're living this hard life. So when I'm saying, do this, do this, do this, it's like, I become annoying, so, <laughs> you know? So it's it's really only, so thank, you know, I'm glad COVID is behind us, let's pray, and that we are able to do it in person because the in-person is so important. Any advice or things you learned later that you can share to patient advocacy group leaders about holding a conference? Oh gosh, yeah. If you're considering whether to do it or not, do it. absolutely do it we got sponsors which was hard definitely in this environment it was hard and we were able to do a travel scholarship and that really helped parents come because the burden of costs uh, would prevent a lot of parents from coming so because we were able to fly parents in thank you to american airlines who donated miles that really helped And I was really set on doing it in a location that felt like a vacation. Because if parents can get away, let's make it feel good. I mean, and maybe selfishly, it's like, I I just want to feel the sand underneath my feet because (laughs) seeing the ocean does wonders for me. So when we first sat down and said, okay, we're gonna plan a conference, where in the world should we do it? And we thought New York, DC, you know, California. And we started to think, well, where are most of our families? And then we most are in the East Coast. And then also we have families across the pond in Europe, overseas. So the East Coast made more sense for them. And then doing it in a place which doubled up as a vacation, you know, when there was one couple that said, we have not been away together since we got the diagnosis a year ago, and we are just having so much fun together. You know, they they had help at home for their children. They came just the two of them. And I said, if there were no other reason why I put this conference on, it was for them. Amen. (laughs) Exactly. A Fox One parent needs that. They need to reconnect. (laughs) Um, So there were just so many great moments like that. And so I really recommend finding somewhere that adds that level of enjoyment. Uh, I would totally agree. And I'd like everybody to really listen to that second part. I did I did snap a photo of American Airlines when I saw that they helped sponsor you. And I'm so glad they did. That's so valuable to be able to help families come to an event like that. And 
yeah, really bonus points to having it somewhere where it was nice. It was vacation-y. People could actually unplug a little bit, be warm. So many of us live in the darkness of Seattle and places <laughs> that are cold. That was a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Before we were recording, we were t- we were talking about epilepsy and so many of our rare disease kids have seizures. And I've found that, you know, talking to thousands and thousands of rare disease families that probably the biggest stressor on a parent's shoulders is the the epilepsy, the seizure situation. It causes visible stress no matter what. I mean, I've seen my friends age because of their kids' seizures. And I know that you got some interesting insight if you'd like to share it. Yeah, this was amazing. Back to if this is the only reason why I did this conference, this was worth it. We were out to dinner. It was the offsite dinner after the science symposium. And I'm sitting with the three neurologists who see the most Fox G1 children in the world. They also run RET clinics. And I'm talking about Josie and Josie's seizures and that she's on five medications right now. Um, and she's still having seizures. And I'm going into what is it doing to her brain? I, I remember being told that or reading, I don't even remember where I learned this, but a seizure is like the brain running a full marathon. And and I'm going, I'm saying, you know, just how devastating it is every single time she has a seizure to think, what is that doing to her brain? How is this hurting her? And all three of them looked at me and said, it's not. I said, what do you mean it's not? And they said, you know, these seizures, these types of seizures you're saying she has, they're not really hurting her brain so much. They're pausing her brain, but they're not hurting her brain so much. And, you know, I could wait. I shouldn't jump to give the rescue meds. You know, I could wait. And I, and I have started doing that and that she will come out of it. You know, they said if it's status epileptic seizures, you know, there are types of seizures that are more dangerous, but that the, the typical seizures that our Fox G1 children have most often and that many children in the rare disease world, encephalopathies, have are not the type of seizures that are really doing damage and really hurting their brain. And I, I, I asked three more times, are, really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> so it's not really hurting her and they're, it's hurting you more than it's hurting her. So that, I mean, so like I said, if there was one reason alone to have this conference, it was to have that conversation. And it just really highlighted what I believe parents need to hear because if we could remove some of that stress from ourselves and some of that I live in constant crisis mode from ourselves, you know, we could just live easier and healthier because the stress of what is this seizure doing to my poor baby, it, that's too much on us. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that takes a toll on our own health. So that was just a major aha or you know, just a major discovery that we shared at the parents' conference. And the biggest takeaway for most parents was that they could you know, relax a little, monitor it, but just, just understand that it's not as terrible as we always thought it was. I bet you haven't even fully absorbed that information because it's, it's so good. I, I, it's, and, and I still, yesterday, Josie went into a seizure and I go, you know, I'm like in the wild, wild west. I grab the midazolam, <laughs> I'm ready to spray it up her nose. And I go, wait, wait, Nicole, hold off. <laughs> you know, and I, and I waited and I waited and she came out of it. You know, I mean, that two minutes of waiting feels like two days. 
because her eyes are rolling back and she's just not there. And I waited. And, you know, and like the neurologist said, when you're waiting, grab your phone, take take video of it, take as much video of the seizure as you can. And really, when she started the seizure and I reached for that midazolam, I should have reached for my phone and started the video at the beginning so we can really capture these better. You know, the more armed you are with information for your neurologist, the better. They could tell you exactly what kind of seizure this is, you know, without having the EEG data as well, but they can see it. So, yeah, so do I fully believe it's not hurting her brain? I don't know that I'm there. <laughs> I mean, she did go to sleep after, so it's very hard to believe, but I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I trust Get that. to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and my, and my own neurologist is amazing, too. I was sorry he's not there. And, and I guess it's just the hardest thing for a parent to grasp that it's, it's okay. It's, it's not okay, but it's, she's going to be okay. Right, right. Sounds like that should be one of the presentations for the next one. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, it was. There was the neurology session, and that was in the, the panel discussion. Yeah, I made sure to ask it in the panel discussion, and I think I asked it twice. Like, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's not so bad. <laughs> so you're saying, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a way that people can go watch the conference now? Is it recorded and on the cloud somewhere? So we will be on our YouTube channel. It may be there now when this is airing. So we have a YouTube channel, Fox G1 Research Foundation, and the full um, parents conference is up there. Um, I'll say it's up there by the time this airs. So I'll say that again. So the, the full Fox G1 Research uh, Parents Conference is on our YouTube channel. Just look for the YouTube channel for Fox G1 Research Foundation. And it should be chaptered, so you can watch each session separately and share it with anyone. Um, and we really encouraged all of our parents to share certain sessions with their care team. Um, so there was a session on Foxy One Standard of Care. So for a lot of times, parents say, you know, I live in this remote area, I live in this other country, and. Um, my doctors have never heard of Foxy One syndrome, so they really don't know the standard of care, which, by the way, is a paper that we're working on. So this, these sessions should help inform clinicians as well. Well, I just have from personal experience, it actually helped inform me in one of the panels, the pulmonologist that was speaking, and she was speaking about what can happen uh, from severe hypotonia, which Ford has. And like we see our pulmonologist regularly because he's like always chronically lung diseased. But nobody ever, ever, ever talks to me about what can happen over time with hypotonia. Like he uses a cough assistant stuff when he's sick. But she was saying things like what you have to do on a regular basis to make sure that that doesn't deteriorate. And my mind was like, oh, my God, I'm hanging up and calling children's right now and moving my appointment up. Yeah. Um, so I even learned for my child because so many of the symptoms right on our diseases are similar and the same. Absolutely. It's funny you brought her up because this is this is such a scene out of the um, Rare Disease Patient Organization handbook. Um, Josie was in the hospital and it was she had sepsis earlier this year and it was terrible. Um, we really did almost lose her. It was terrible. And she was there for a few weeks. And the pulmonologist who you saw at our conference was the pulmonologist who was explaining to me over Josie's hospital bed. Um, what happened to her lungs. 
And the way she was explaining it to me, you know, I have my mom and I have my, my organization um, antennas up and I wanted to film her so that I could share this with everyone because she did such an incredible job at explaining to me about her lung capacity and the way it works and how much she was suffering and, and who knows how long she was suffering and she had um, aspirational pneumonia. And I don't even know how long she had that because she seemed fine. And so it was right then and there when I said, okay, well, we're having a conference. (laughs) (laughs) And would you be available to explain all of this at our conference? And she said, I would love to. Now let's get back to Josie. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. Yeah, she was amazing. And, you know, and again, having her meet the other clinicians. And now she is part of our uh, global Fox G1 Clinicians Network, so uh, which I started this network so that clinicians could speak to each other. Um, so it, it all happens, you know, it all happens for a reason, I guess. But it, you know, even the hardest moments like Josie's hospital stay when she had sepsis, look what it's turning into. It helped inform you of w- what's going on. We might have to have another episode on how you built your network. What I want everyone to know that's listening is that this isn't just a Fox G1 family scientific uh, conference. This is valuable to all of us in different ways with symptomatology and stuff from our kids and just even getting ideas, right, of how your conference could unfold and what you could include and different ways to kind of think about content that you're presenting to families. And yeah, it could raise your alarm bells of what your child is not necessarily getting addressed because of various reasons. So it could help someone for sure. So even if you're not a Fox G1 family or someone who loves a Fox G1 kiddo, I highly recommend going and watching other families' conferences for various reasons. Absolutely. And what I've learned recently too is as we're working on our standard of care guidelines, you know, I'm looking at other disease groups' standard of care guidelines and they're not so different. So, you know, this information at these different conferences, like you said, really applies to so many neurodevelopmental diseases. So it's, it's also useful. I want to I go to them all. Totally. <laughs> I go to the RET conference. Hey, American Airlines, we have an idea. Yep. <laughs> it's called a rare disease plane. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, tell everybody one more time where they can go and participate in your race to 100,000. And let me know if there's anything that I didn't ask you or something that you want to leave with our listeners. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So to help support the Race to 100,000 campaign, um, you just go over to foxg1research.org and you'll see at the top there, Race to 100, and you could pick any adorable team to support. And we thank you so much. Also on our donate page are different ways to donate, ongoing different ways to donate. You could donate crypto. Uh, that's a new one that we added, tax deduction crypto <laughs> donations, stock Um, employee giving. Uh, There's so many ways to donate. So thank you so much. Because like I said, the science is there. um, But without our donors, we can't fund it. So it's so important. What else? Gosh, I feel like we could speak for hours. I know, we could. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I've said everything that's top of my mind for the conference. But we're really excited to be planning the next. And I'm happy to help guide any other disease groups at any time with it if they have any questions for what worked for us and what didn't. 
Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, and congratulations on all of your hard work. It's paying off. And I'm so grateful that I got a chance to talk to you. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Abby, and thank you so much for what you do for the rare disease community. You're incredible. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people, and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.